What's up, Bridge City Church family? Pastor John Schaefer here uh, from the North Braddock campus. So excited to be with you. Uh, hope that you're having an amazing, wonderful summer um, as we're trekking through this year of 2021. So thankful that it's not 2020 anymore, but really looking forward to and expecting great things this year, but also as we move forward, because God knows that we are not just focusing on a 2021 vision or a 2022 vision, but we kicked off this new decade by focusing on a 2030 vision. And so I'm excited to be with you uh, here this summer, 2021. Well, this Today I want to talk to you about something that kind of gets a, a little bit of um, sideways press, if you will, especially in the realm of Christendom. But I want to talk today about prosperity, biblical prosperity. Now, one of the great things about summer is that summer is usually the time when we're taking vacations, we're taking it easy, we're kind of laying back, putting it on cruise control, and, and we're just kind of getting ready for the big explosion of school and all these things in the fall. But summer, when it comes to agriculture, is actually the time when the seeds that were planted in spring are actually spending their time growing and flourishing and prospering so that the food that we are looking for from the seeds that we planted are actually ready in the fall. And so while summer may be a relaxing time for many of us, it is also a time of growth. But one of the things about growth is that we very rarely are able to really understand what's happening. I know one of the phrases that I remember my grandmother always saying back whenever I was a kid uh, was, if the corn was as high as an elephant's eye by the 4th of July, that meant something. I don't know what it meant. It just sounded cool. But there's this reality of growth. And a lot of times when we're in growth seasons, fruitful seasons, prospering seasons, the fruit and the prosperity that we're longing for, that we're looking for, isn't necessarily what we're experiencing in the now. And so we have to understand and be, be, be steadfast in the reality that God wants to indeed prosper us, but there is a process to the prosperity, if you will. And so this, today, I, I just want to share with you uh, from a very well-known passage of Scripture, the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 15. And I'm going to be reading from the first four verses of John chapter 15 out of the New International Standard Version. That's the NIV. So John chapter 15, verse 1, and this is Jesus speaking, red letters in your Bible. This is what he says. I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Now he's speaking to his disciples. This is actually taking place during the Last Supper. Verse 4 Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless 
you remain in me. So there's a lot of deep truth that are, is featured in that passage of Scripture. But as I said at the beginning, I want to talk to you about prosperity. And again, I'm not talking about some name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, receive it, believe it type of biblical prosperity. But I'm talking about the true prosperity that God wants to bless. God wants to grow. God wants to create fruitfulness in our lives. And see, biblical prosperity is never attached to how much we have or us getting blessed. Because in verse 8 of John 15, Jesus says that it is the Father who is glorified by making us fruitful. That's right. Our fruitfulness, our blessing, our prosperity is not just so that we have nice things or have a nice life, but the primary role of fruitfulness and prosperity in our life is so that God the Father can be glorified. Can somebody say amen to that? Now, I believe and I've experienced in my life such supernatural, over-the-top, amazing prosperity. But it would not be as powerful if it was not so that I and my family could continue to give glory to God by sharing his gospel and discipling people and being in ministry. And God wants to prosper you, but he doesn't want to do it for the selfish reasons that many people often think that God wants to do it for. And so that's why it's important for us to understand not just that God wants to prosper us, because, you know, there's a lot of people out there. They just walk around through life. Woe is me. I'm just bearing my cross. I'm just going to. And, 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 and that's Jesus never walked around like that. But there is a true, deep biblical prosperity that brings glory to God the Father because he is blessing us and moving in our lives and causing us to be fruitful for his namesake. So the question then remains, how do we do it? How do we produce the kind of fruit that makes us prosper and brings maximum glory to God? Well, I believe that this passage of Scripture in John 15 gives us some insight and some important information on how to see that type of prosperity come forth in our life. And the first thing that we have to understand when we're talking about biblical prosperity, when we're talking about us prospering and being fruitful and seeing God's abundant grace and blessing just breaking forth in our life, the first thing that we have to understand is this. Jesus is the vine. Now, we saw how this passage of Scripture opened up. Jesus is... is actually using metaphor and allegory to explain a deeper truth. And this passage of scripture is actually what's commonly referred to as one of the I am statements of Jesus. We know in the gospel of John, there are seven specific statements that Jesus starts off by saying, I am the vine. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread. I am the living water. Jesus says these things, not just to demonstrate who he is, the, 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 the types of attributes or characteristics that we can expect from Jesus, but he actually also does this to subtly hint at the reality that he is in fact God. 
Because way back in Exodus chapter 3, when Moses was uh, on the tail end of 40 years on the backside of a desert, after running from his former life because he had committed a murder, God speaks to him out of a burning bush. Because he's calling Moses back into his service. He's calling Moses back into the calling that he had for Moses from the foundations of the earth. And he calls Moses to himself and he begins to start breaking down for Moses what he wants Moses to do and how he's going to make Moses fruitful in what he's calling him to do. And in that passage of Scripture, in Exodus chapter 3, verses 14 through 15, God reveals something to Moses about himself, about his nature that had not yet been revealed to any of the patriarchs or saints prior to Moses. And he tells Moses, he says, he says, you have known me as the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, but I am revealing myself to you right now as Yahweh, which is the he it's a Hebrew phrase that means I am. He is saying, I am revealing myself to you as I am existence itself. And I love that, 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 that reality of, of God's name, his, his covenant name, as many scholars uh, call that, because God is telling us, I am that I am. And you know what? There are times when I don't know where to turn or what to do or how I'm going to make it through this situation, but whatever I need, whatever I'm looking for, whatever I'm longing for, my Father in heaven is the I am. And so if I am down and discouraged, he says, I I am encouragement. And so he's revealing not just aspects of his character, but Jesus is letting us know, I am God and you can trust in me and I have your best intentions in mind. And you know, this is good news because when Jesus is telling us that he is the vine, he's not just reminding us of the steps of how to be prosperous. He's reminding us that the way to prosper is being connected directly to him. And this is important in our day and age because we live in a day and age, especially in 21st century American society, where the culture tells us you need to work harder. You need to do more. You need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You need to get it on your own because no one is going to help you. But Jesus says this, if you stay connected to me, I'm going to help you do the heavy lifting. I am going to produce in you the fruitfulness, the prosperity that you have tried to produce with the work of your own two hands. That's a powerful reality. Because I've seen how this, this deep-seated desire in myself to, to try to work harder or make this thing happen or, or if I don't do this, it's all going to fall apart. I get drawn back to the reality that it is Him who works in me to act and to will according to His good purpose. And it's Him who does the heavy lifting. It's Him who prospers me and gives me strength. You know, that's the antidote for an anxious, self-centered, self-defeating society. The fact that Jesus is the vine 
And when we stay attached to him, we don't have to worry. We don't have to fear. We don't have to fret because he is the one working in us and through us. The next thing that we see in how to prosper biblically is, is something that you see repeated all throughout this passage of Scripture. In some translations, it says remain, but in other translations, and this is the, the word I like, it's, it's abide. Jesus says to abide in me, abide in me, abide in me, remain in me. Because here's the reality, folks. Knowing Jesus isn't enough. Being in him and abiding, remaining in him is the key. You know, a lot of people will tell you, well, I know Jesus or I go to church or all of these other things, but you know why knowing Jesus is not enough? Because the Bible tells us that the demons know Jesus. James chapter 2, he says, the demons know him, but they're even smart enough to shudder. We see all throughout Jesus' ministry and even in the ministry of Paul in Acts chapter 19 that there were people who were possessed by demons who would say, I know who you are. Now, I don't know about you, but, but that's demon knowledge to me. Knowing Jesus, demons know that. But do you, are you in Him? Do you abide in Him? Do you remain in Him? Do you stay in Him? Because it's only the person who abides in Jesus that will prosper according to Jesus' biblical prosperity. You see, this word abide or remain actually appears eight times just in John 15 alone. And John, the, 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 the author of the Gospel of John, as well as 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and another biblical book called Revelation, he wrote five books of the Bible. The Holy Spirit inspired that in him. But this is one of John's favorite words because this word appears 120 times in the whole New Testament, and John uses it 55 of those 120 times. And that's because John, the apostle whom Jesus loved, that's how he refers to himself in the Gospel of John, he knew something about remaining in Jesus, staying close to Him, being in Him, allowing Jesus' Word to dwell in Him, allowing the Holy Spirit to remain and to dwell in Him, to move and to act and to operate through His life. And this word for abide, it literally means to continue, to remain, to dwell or to endure. Because how many of you have ever heard the phrase or maybe used it yourself that when someone comes over to your house, you say, welcome to my humble abode. Abode is just a different form of abide. Our abode is where we abide. And the question that I have for us here today is this, how at home are you in Jesus? Do you just drop in for a visit from time to time? Maybe online, maybe a couple of times a month at one of our four Bridge City Church locations or maybe another church location? Do you just stay for a few minutes and then you get a little bit antsy because it's an unfamiliar place and you, know, you just got other more important things to do? Or do you take off your coat? Do you pull up a seat and do you relax in Jesus? 
There's a phrase, another phrase that we use, and it's home is where the heart is. And a lot of times we'll often ask people, is Jesus in your heart? And that's an important question. But the question that I have for us here today is this. Is your heart at home in Jesus? Is he the abode where you abide? You know, one of my favorite Psalms is the Psalm of David, Psalm 27. And in the fourth verse of that, David says this, one thing I ask, one thing. And that I would seek to dwell, to abide in your house forever. Now, in the Old Testament, David's talking about the temple. That was the house of God. But in the New Testament, the, t the scriptures are clear that God does not live in a temple made by human hands. But the abode of God, the, 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 the place where he abides by his spirit is not a building of bricks and mortar, but it's a building of living stones according to 1 Peter chapter 2. That's right. Those of us who are followers of Jesus, who have, who have asked him and invited him to be the forgiver of our past and the leader to our future, those of us who have crossed the bridge from death to life, we, not individually, but corporately, we are the ecclesia of God. We are the church. We are the house of God. And so my question for you, even as you watch online, wherever you may be, are you abiding? Are you dwelling? Is Jesus your abode? The third thing that we have to remember that comes right out of this text as it pertains to us prospering biblically and seeing Jesus miraculously work through our life is this concept that we find in John 15 verses 2 and 3 of this idea of pruning and removing. Pruning and removing. Again, Jesus is using a, a, a metaphor, an allegory, which is an extended metaphor about how he is the vine. And the vine that he's talking about here, the type of vine, is, is most likely a grape vine, which was very common uh, in Israel and the surrounding areas in those days and still is today. And he says that he is the vine, and that us, his disciples, followers of Jesus, we're the branches. And you can go on Google and Google grapevine and see what it looks like. But there's a, a, a big vine that is the main place that's rooted into the soil. And then there are branches, shoots that come off of this vine. And out of the branches is where the clusters of grapes and the fruit come. And he's saying that he's the vine. And those of us who, who, who have professed faith in him, we are the branches. But then he talks about the Father, His Father, God the Father, who is the gardener, who, who comes and prunes and trims and takes care of the branches and the vine so that there can be maximum fruit. But one of the things that is difficult is that this is one of the most misunderstood and, and oftentimes misapplied passages of the Bible. And I just want to take a few minutes and explain it to you because I believe that it's going to help you to grow in your fruitfulness as well. See, because first and foremost, and I already talked about this, Jesus is speaking to disciples. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you have not crossed the bridge, if you have not Ask Jesus to be the forgiver of your past and the leader to your future. You're not a disciple and you're not in the vine. And so he's speaking to disciples, to branches who are in the vine. 
They are the branches, the disciples are, and they are abiding in Him. And he says this in verse 3, they are already cleaned, which is the same Greek word for pruned. You've already been pruned and cleaned. And you got to remember, because some people say, well, what about Judas? Well, Judas already left the scene back in John 13, 30. So Judas isn't there because we know what happened to Judas. It didn't end well for Judas. Don't be like Judas. Hashtag, don't be like Judas. But Jesus is talking about disciples. And he says that branches remain and abide. So I know there's a lot of people who say they know Jesus, who say they're followers of Jesus. But when you look at them as branches, you can look and see that they're not abiding in the vine. And so we see here that branches remain and branches abide. And because they remain and abide, they are therefore fruitful. And I know some of you watching right now, you're just saying like, like, I know somebody that's like that. It just seems no matter what kind of storm comes, no matter what kind of thing comes against them, man, you know what? They're always producing fruit. There's always something supernatural happening in your life. Can I encourage you? That's a promise for you too. The question is, how well are you abiding? And we see in verse 6, it does not say that branches that are unfruitful are thrown away and burned. Because this is where the misapplication and the misunderstanding of the passage comes in. Because we look at verse number 2, and we, it says, those who are unfruitful, He cuts off or He takes away. And those that are fruitful, He prunes. But see, that word for cuts off or takes away actually means to lift up. The word there in the Greek is irio or aereo. And it literally means to raise up, to lift, to take upon oneself and carry what has been raised physically. See, because a lot of times we have, we have wrongly understood this passage to mean that if I'm not bearing fruit, the Father's cutting me off. If I'm not bearing fruit, God's getting rid of me and He's going to throw me in the fire. But that's not what this passage says. This passage does not say that branches that are unfruitful are thrown away and burned. It does say this, that anyone who does not abide, who does not remain, who is not a branch or a disciple, they are the ones that are thrown away. Because fruitfulness is predicated upon being a branch, and being a branch is predicated upon being attached in the vine. And so this text is not saying those of us who are unfruitful, he's cutting off and throwing away. I want you to catch this now. It's saying those of us who are unfruitful, maybe we're not living up to our expectation. Maybe we're not prospering in the way that God wants us to and brings maximum glory to God. God is not going to cut you off and throw you away. You know what he's going to do? He is going to lift you up. He is going to bear you on his own strength physically. He will carry you until you are strong enough and well enough to receive the sap that is coming straight from Jesus so that you can bear the fruit that he has designed you to bear. That's good news. And anybody that's ever gardened knows this. When you have a branch that's broken or a stem that's broken, I've seen it. My wife does this in her garden. She comes along to that, that poor broken stem broken not by no fault of its own maybe an animal came in and knocked it over maybe a strong wind or life just happened and it's broken she doesn't come in and rip it up 
and tear it off and throw it away. She goes and she gets a, a strong stick. She jams that stick in the ground right next to that broken stem. And she ties that broken stem to that strong stick so that it can begin to heal and become strong so that it can bear fruit. Church, I wanna, I wanna encourage you today that if you're broken and you're abiding, God is gonna come alongside of you and he's gonna not tear you off and throw you away, but he's gonna lift you up. He's gonna strengthen you because the goal isn't more branches for the fire. The goal is for branches to bear much fruit. And God is gonna work in your life to make you fruitful and strong. See, because the two types of branches are branches that don't bear fruit and branches that do bear fruit. The branches that bear no fruit, they get lifted up. But the branches that are fruitful, they get pruned. Now, for some of us that have gone through the pruning process, it doesn't feel fun at the times because pruning is when the gardener comes and he cuts away excess things or dead things that could hinder the growth or take energy away from maximum effectiveness in the branch's life. And so he comes and he prunes us. And in Israel, in the ancient Near East, there was two times a year that pruning would happen. The first time that pruning would happen would be immediately following the harvest in the fall. And the reason why they would prune at this time was because it would then induce dormancy. So maybe you, you've been in your life and you've had an incredibly fruitful time, man. God is moving. You're prospering. The kingdom is advancing. God is doing amazing things. And then it feels like all of a sudden, where did it go? Well, you're being pruned. And the reason why he does this is to not induce dormancy in the sense that we're not doing anything, but he does it so that we can rest. Because, you know, it's possible to keep doing and doing and doing and doing and going and going and going and going. That's another thing our society teaches us. But we have to embrace, we have to receive those moments of rest. And, you know, I believe that God has given, given a lot of us in this, this nation 16 months of rest. A lot of things have been shut down. Things have slowed down. And that's because I believe that God is pruning His church, is pruning His bride to bring maximum effectiveness and fruitfulness in these last days. And the second time that grapevines would be pruned would be in the spring, right before they would begin to blossom and start to bear fruit. See, we see that fruitful branches get clipped right after times of great productivity and right before times of great productivity. And I want to encourage you right now, no matter where you are in this process, the pruning's coming, but let the pruning, don't focus on the pain of the pruning, focus on the promise of the pruning because the promise of the pruning says this, you're either getting ready to enter a season of rest so you can become more productive, more fruitful, that's what it says, or 
you're coming out of a season of rest and the pruning is happening so that you can be more fruitful and more productive. That's good news. So wherever you are in that situation, understand this, whatever he's cutting away, it wasn't supposed to be there in the first place. It ain't going to help you grow. It ain't going to help you be fruitful. He's the gardener, not you. You're the branch. But it's not the pain of the pruning, but it's the promise of the pruning that produces prosperity. You might need to write that down and send it to a friend. So we see that knowing that Jesus is the vine, knowing and remaining in him and understanding the lifting up and pruning process that he does in our lives is vitally important to us being prosperous. Because here's the reality, folks. God created you to prosper. Genesis chapter 1, 28. It's the first blessing and first command of God. You know what it says? Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over it. That's right. You're created for fruitfulness. You're created for dominion. You are created for prosperity. And God has sent His Son Jesus into the earth. He has sent the vine so that we can be attached to Him and abide in Him and remain in Him so that we can prosper, not for ourselves, but so that God can get maximum glory and we get the benefit of blessing because He's glorified in us. But the key is staying connected to Him. Abiding in Him. Allowing Him to lift us up in those times of unfruitfulness, to help us to become fruitful. God will have to remove some things. We may not like it, but we will be fruitful. And even though he may have to remove some things from our life, we can take courage in this. He'll never remove us from himself and he'll never remove himself from us. So today, wherever you're watching, whenever you're watching. I want to thank you for tuning in. But I also believe that God is moving and removing some things in your life. I believe that God has been shifting things in our culture even now to get us out of these places of dormancy, to get back and connected so that we can be maximum fruitful. You know, I love our online worship experience and I'm so thankful for the people that put it together and I'm glad that we have this as an opportunity for people to engage not only in what God is doing at Bridge City Church, but to connect with worship, connect with the Word. But there is no supplement for connecting with other followers of Jesus. And so wherever you are, I, I want to I encourage you right now. I know that many people are not able to get back into in-person worship experiences. I know that a lot of people are nervous and, and skeptical about being in places with other people. And, I, and I, wanna, I, wanna, I wanna believe God together with you that He is going to open up opportunities where maybe it's not a full-on worship experience, but it's a phone call you need to make to a brother or sister in the Lord. It's a text or a call to your connection group leader or your campus pastor. And maybe it's not a full-on auditorium full of people, but it's a one-on-one -on -one for coffee at someone's house. 
But wherever you are, I want to encourage you, now is the time to re-engage. Now is the time to reconnect. In the same way church isn't a building made with bricks, a worship experience, a church gathering doesn't only happen on Sunday morning. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst. And I said, I want to encourage you to maybe take that step. And if, you, if you're watching this and, and you don't have anyone like that in your life, on the screen, there'll be the, the, the main email for our church where you can, you can reach out and send an email and someone from our response team will reach out and connect with you and we'll find a way so that we together as branches can stay abiding in the vine so that we can have maximum fruitfulness in our lives. I want to thank you so much for spending this time here with us. I want to thank you for allowing me the moment to speak into your life and I pray that you were encouraged. But before we wrap this thing up, I just want to encourage you right now. If you don't have that relationship with Jesus, if you know in your heart right now you are not connected to the vine, and I can tell you this, all you need to do is look at the fruit in your life and it will tell you whether you are or are not a branch that is abiding in the vine. Well, if you're watching this right now and you know that you're not abiding, you're not in Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to reach out to us on that link on the screen and let us know. I want you to let us know. I want to make Jesus the forgiver of my past and a leader to my future. I want to cross the bridge from death to life because I want to know him and abide in him so that he can get maximum glory by bringing fruitfulness and prosperity into my life. If that's you, I just want you to reach out and do that now and someone will be in contact with you. And I'm so thankful for those of you that are making that decision. And for those of you that are deciding right now, I'm going to get reconnected. I'm thankful for you too, because you know what? Nobody is complete without everybody in the body. And I'm thankful to be in a body with you here at Bridge City Church. God bless you.